Hello and welcome to the Total Quidditch Podcast, a place where we talk to the people who make Quidditch what it is and give them an opportunity to share their stories and experiences of the sport. I'm Fraser and I'll be your host. Moving on to episode 44 today, and it's time to talk to our first French guest since we spoke to Albert Brejot in the first series of the podcast. Like Albert, this person is a serial winner and multiple time European champion with the Paris Titans and French national team. He knows exactly what it takes to be successful at the highest level of the sport. Arguably one of the best beasts in Europe and the world. He's a player I've enjoyed watching over the years and talking to at tournaments. So it's a great pleasure to find time to talk with him today. I look forward to learning more about what makes him such a special player and hearing in his own words what he has to say about his career in the sport, playing alongside some very talented individuals. A warm welcome to, to the Total Quidditch podcast to our guest today, Etienne Pogu. Uh, hello, Ed, how are you doing? Thank you for having me. <laughs> yes, it's glad to have you here. And, uh, for, for those who don't know, this is the second time we've recorded this episode. <laughs> uh, we had some technical difficulties the first time, so fingers crossed it all works out this time. Yeah, we have a new tournament to talk about now, so it's, it's it may be <laughs> even better. <laughs> exactly, and uh, I believe you're saying off air you're, you're not in the, the best of shape right now. I had a bit of a, a fall off your bike the other day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got into a, um, an accident with a, a truck uh, last Wednesday. Hopefully nothing too bad. I think I got lucky because uh, at the speed we were going, it, would have been, it could have been really bad, but it's only the, the elbow that is a bit injured. So hopefully not broken. We'll see tonight um, going to the X-rays and get it checked up. So hopefully it will be all fine and uh, all ready to go for, for the next uh, sports events that I have planned. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fingers crossed for that and uh, keep you out of, out of action too long. So um, I think like a good sort of place to start here would be uh, sort of over the sort of pandemic period because ju just from following you on social media, you mm -hmm. seem to have quite a, a quite a different experience of the pandemic to a lot of people. So can you tell us what you've been up to these past sort of two two years or so during the coronavirus enforced break? Yeah, sure. You're right. Uh, I got a pretty lucky experience, I would say, of the of the pandemic. Um, big thanks to my job, I was able to to work from uh, from everywhere I wanted. So basically, since a bit more, I would say a year and a half or something. Because at the beginning, I I didn't dare to do so, but so I stayed in Paris for six months uh, in my in my flat and being uh, on lockdown. But after that, uh, I moved uh, across Europe uh, for a year and a half um trying to you know discover as much as i could um while uh, working abroad so i got pretty lucky i would say um because of that uh, so i get to enjoy a, a lot of different countries um linking linking that to sports uh it's kind of um harder to um you know train with the team and uh, training a uh, collective sports uh, when you do that, when you, you're away for a, lo a long period of time. Uh, and when you're, you know, not in the same city all the time, of course, it's it's harder to, to meet everybody and play with everybody. Um, so I focused a bit more on myself, um, try to, uh, you know, get physically better, uh, more endurance, more uh, dynamic and stuff like that. Um, so I started um, playing, uh, not playing, but like doing a lot of uh, racing um, and biking and that got me in the accident last week <laughs> but um <laughs> trying to you know uh 
try to experiment the sports in a different way, uh, in a way that you can, uh, you know, enjoy everywhere in the world. And even if you're in, you know, vacation or stuff like that, it's even better when you're uh, in a country you don't know because when you run or you bike, you cover a lot of distances and you can, you know, experience uh, a bit more than what you would do if you just walk or just visit someplace. So yeah, I got a lot into running and uh, it's beginning to be a, a big passion of mine and I'm a lot into it right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds like a, a really good, good, good use of your time. Yeah. Like just thinking about all the places that you went while you're away sort of working from remotely. Yeah. Where would you say was your favorite location? Um, I would say to, to work remotely, um, the, the Canarias Island, uh, I think is the word in English. Yeah, um, yeah um, uh, out of the coast of uh, Morocco in Spain. Um, it's like, uh, it's, it was really amazing to work there because they are, I mean, I think like half of the population is people doing that, <laughs> just working remotely. So there are a lot of places to work with, a, you know, good connection and, and stuff like that. And then when your day is over, you just go to the beach uh, and enjoy some, uh, you have so many sports there that you can do, like exploring, uh, whether it's like in the in the island where you can run the, the volcanoes or stuff like that, or bike around or do, do, do some buggies or whatever. And then you can go to the sea where it's like a big spot for uh, kite surfing, uh, windsurfing, just surfing. Um, so it's a really good vibe and it's easy to work, a great place to live. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to go back there as soon as I can. Uh, it's it's getting harder now because the company wants us to to go back more to the office. But um, yeah. as soon as I can go back there, like for a few few days and stuff like that, I, I will for sure. Uh, and I've planned uh, um, my first uh, half Ironman uh, would be uh, in Lanzarote, which is there. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to this and spend some time there. Okay. Yeah, it sounds like a pretty, pretty perfect choice. Of yeah. An island paradise. It is. If you have the chance to go, just, just go there. Even if it's a week, go there in the, in the fall or in the winter here in France mm. or England, uh, because there it's always uh, 25, 30 degrees and it's always sunny. So it's even better when, when it's not in France or, or in Central Europe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely a, a, a good, good choice to have. Yeah. Um, for sure. Um, I guess we'll uh, move on to the Quidditch now. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's nice to hear what what you've been up to, and uh, yeah, wish you all the best with uh, the races that are coming up. A pretty ex exciting side project for you to have. I, I know um, you're you're pretty good at this now too. So <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's something that a lot of people kind of picked up, as you said, like because you couldn't meet up with people, so it's kind of like, oh well, I still want to have a physical challenge um and i know that sepa got into doing lots of long cycle rides as uh, speaking of jackson johnson recently on the previous episodes he's getting into his long distance running as well so uh, yeah, yeah the mindset of, you know, like running against yourself uh like uh, when you have the competitive mindset and trying to always be better it's like super easy to be addicted to a sport like that so mm. so i feel like a lot of people uh that were doing a lot of sports, collective sport before, um, for the competitive side of it, were drawn to to running because of that, probably. Yeah, definitely. And that is different from, say, a Quidditch tournament, where for the time you're going it to win it yeah. against other people. Like, you're going into a run going, oh, how fast are you last time? Right. Exactly. Yeah. faster than that ne next <laughs> time. Like, it's a very different kind of win. For sure. Uh, when you achieve it. 
but yeah, uh, let's get let's go to Quidditch now. Um, we'll go back to the very beginning of your time with the sport. How did you get into Quidditch? Uh, like before you started playing, like what was your athletic background? Um, and for the athletic backgrounds, I was playing. Uh, I, I've been playing um, basketball since I think I'm like two or three. Uh, I I was I had to move to an not to move but to train in another city and my parents had to drive me a, a while to 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 get a basketball team that accept people by, that young <laughs> and then I came back to my to my hometown but uh, yeah so I've been playing like for 20 25 years uh, basketball uh, and then I've played maybe 15 years tennis um, reaching uh, a pretty good individual level in tennis and then I had to stop because of uh, basketball and high school and studies didn't it took me way too much time um, so I had to choose between tennis and basketball and move decided to to go with my first first love <laughs> which is uh, for sure basketball um, and then uh, I, I started Quidditch um, because I started uh, working so I started really not being like competitive like I used to in basketball because um, I moved so I didn't I was not with the same team anymore um, so it was a bit different and I was trying to, to find other stuff, but I was still playing basketball, you know, pick up basketball, uh, you know, in, in cities and parks and everything. Uh, and Val, that you, that you all know probably from the, the Titans, uh, was one of my friends from long before Quidditch. Um, and we were playing basketball a lot together. Um, and he, he told me to, to go to a, to a specific park in Paris where we used to play basketball a lot. Um, so I, I went with him. And uh, it was not basketball, it was Quidditch, a sport that um, <laughs> he, he was talking to me about uh, for almost a year. He went to Canada for the, for the World Cup, I think, um, that was at this time. And he told me to go. I said, no, I don't want to play Quidditch. Uh, I have a sport to do. Uh, and then, so he, he kind of tricked me into it. Uh, and then I played bitter straight away because uh, the, the, the Titans, the, the, the Titans didn't exist back then. It was the Phoenix, the Paris Phoenix. And um, they, they needed a beaters, they needed beaters. And so I, I just kind of uh, played against their beater, see that, so that there was an opportunity for me to make the team uh, pretty quickly and then managed to get my spot. Uh, and then we played uh, after that. I trained for like two or three months. Then we played the, the, the French Cup uh, that we lost. Uh, the, the Titans were created at this French Cup and we lost to the Frogs in the finals. Um, and then I'm not, I'm a pretty sore loser, as you probably know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I, I can't stop. Uh, because at first it was to be, it was supposed to be a, a one-shot tournament. And then I would be like done just, you know, helping a friend uh, that, that needed me. Uh, but then I was like, yeah, I can't stop on that. And then we played another tournament in Toulouse. Um, and then we won. And then we went to Oxford and won the AQC. And then I was uh, like, falling in love with the game and then after that I moved uh, I went to the US for six months for my uh, final uh, internship uh, with my school uh, and got lucky enough to to be able to be part of the first MLQ team uh, of the of New York the Titans as well so still the Titans uh, and then learned some so much stuff met so many people there uh, that really tied me to Quidditch and then I brought all this knowledge back to France uh, back to Paris and then we we worked on that and I think improved the team a lot. But yeah, that's a lot of events in a row that made me stick to Quidditch. Uh, yeah. That I, I didn't really thought it would be uh, like, I mean, it's been seven years. 
eight, seven or eight years, something like that. Yeah, so I didn't expect to play Quidditch for eight years uh, at first, but then like a lot of events made it happen. <laughs> here, here, we, here we are now. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, quite a sort of frantic uh, few months that all yeah. kind of led up to, sort of, yeah, your sort of long time involvement with the sport now, as opposed to the initial short period. But yeah, that's really interesting to hear. Obviously, as I mentioned, uh, we recently spoke with Jackson Johnson and the parallels are all over the place. Like there's so many similarities between the two of you. So having that background in basketball uh, and in tennis as well. Um, like think about Quidditch as a whole. I talk about it on so many episodes, how basketball is a really good yeah. sport to play before Quidditch for sort of understanding the game and how it flows. And the, obviously the technical, like, sort of ball skills as well and then the tennis side of it kind of that individual decision making and dealing with the pressure of playing one-on-one sort of -on -one or two-on-two -two. yeah there's a lot of parallels to draw there yeah for sure and if, for beaters i think uh it's like a seeing the game um and like you know taking quick like quick second decisions and that's what really matters and that's what you ask for in basketball when you play the point guards like i used to but uh, I think like uh, for chasers as well, it's really important. Uh, and, and I've seen a lot of basketball players as a chaser, you know, playing um, back to the hoops uh, in offense and then just taking the ball and spinning and then scoring. I've seen a lot of that from basketball players. Uh, and it's like, in, it's kind of a surprise for the defenders every time because they're, they're not used to that. And uh, I feel like a lot of moves on basketball can be really, really useful in, in Quidditch at every position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find it quite funny how uh, Val actually blackmailed you into yeah. Quidditch, and then uh, <laughs> after you kind of forced into playing it, going, "Oh, uh, yeah, this is actually all right." And uh, yeah, again, similar to Jackson, how you kind of looked at looked at the team and go, "Right, well, there's a spot available as a beater. Oh, I'll take that. That will get me into the team." And then just found where you're most comfortable in the end. Yeah, yeah, and. I've never played Chaser since then, except uh, in the MLQ, and sometimes they force me. <laughs> but other than that, I, I never played Chaser, and I don't really want to. Uh, and now Val is playing Beater as well, so um, I, guess, uh, I guess he understands what dictates the flow of the game. Huh? <laughs> true, true. Sort of, you've gone from a apprentice to master in that, that respect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, yeah, you, you're talking about kind of that initial first season and all the events that happened. Um, yeah. But yeah, obviously that initial first French Cup losing to Frog in the final. Mm -hmm. sort of, how, how did you guys cope with the loss as a team? And kind of what impact did that have going into EQC that you went on to win in Oxford? Well, I remember before the, the French Cup, we were all uh, eating together and we were watching the scores uh, from the, the Chimeras. Um, that were like blowing everyone up like 200-0 uh, every game and we're like oh okay so and Albert you know Albert is like always uh, really confident in his team was like yeah we can do that to the French Cup we can blow up all our games and everything I was like okay maybe so we were pretty confident going in and then the the game against the Frog didn't last very long the, the snitch got cut really really fast we didn't have time to get out of range but that, back then it was like <laughs> We, we didn't have really strategies to you know get out of range or when if if we're not out of range what to do it was like always playing like full speed and just trying to do whatever we can 
Um, just being so, as athletic as possible, basically. Yeah, it was, there was no strategy. Basically, pass the ball, touch people, and then beat them, and then they'll, they'll try to try to score when when there's no one defending. But it's, the stitch on pitch was really bad, and um, so it took us by surprise. They, they caught really fast, uh, and then we were kind of shocked, like, oh, okay, so the, the game is over. We, we, throughout the weekend, we we won all our games by a lot, and it was the first game that was. Uh, Kind of uh, you know in range or, or kind of contested, uh, so none of us had the experience. Well, Val and Albert played uh, the AQC before, but it was like a different game. I think I feel like with a uh, with uh, Stitch being off pitch and stuff like that. Uh, but um, so it was kind of different. But we were really always surprised, and it it came really fast, and we were kind of really really disappointed. And uh, a lot of us are like sore losers and everything, so we. We didn't want to stay on that, uh, but I think going on to um, to Oxford, the the best thing was the tournament in Toulouse um, because no one expected us to do anything there. We didn't expect results from this tournament, uh, but we we crushed it. We played really well, uh, and uh, it was a confidence boost uh, going on into the the, the European the, the QC. Uh, and then we went to Oxford. Uh, I remember um, that uh, the, the Oxford and uh, Southampton were the two teams that were supposed to to be the dominant teams. Uh, and then since we lost uh, in the final to the Frogs, the Frogs were supposed to be better than us. And then we were supposed to like not even. Sometimes some people would say we would not get out of groups because we had Southampton. We had uh, I don't remember what the third team was, but we had the Unicorns. Um, and no one knew the Unicorns, but. Uh, that first game, that the first international uh, game, official international game that I played against the Unicorns was the first game of the of the Saturday, and their beaters were like so, nothing like uh, I've seen before. Like they were so aggressive, so so tough, so like you know the, the blood is going all in your face or whatever. And you I couldn't understand what was going on. We won that game, but uh, beater wise we got smashed, and uh, I was like, okay. <laughs> I, I felt really bad after that game. I was like, what is going on? And then when we played SQC, everyone was like, okay, so the Titans are going to lose this game. Uh, SQC were training, like we're warming up, uh, we, you know, pumping each other up like a real team, like a real almost professional team, you know, with the, with the coach uh, pushing them and everything. And we were like just training like a, a match team. And we're like, yeah, okay. We were watching them like, what, what's going to happen to us? Uh, but I feel like it's it really brought us together, and uh, the starting six that we we put that day um, was uh, really really you know eager to to show their worth, and we we played with uh, like the first five minutes with uh, an intensity that was uh, not seen at this time in Quidditch. I think uh, maybe now it's the intensity that we always play, but back then it was um, an intensity that was uh, not seen before, uh, and we 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 crushed them for like. The first five minutes, we we crushed the game. Some of the player got injured because of the of the intensity, and uh, the scores like went out really fast. And I think this was the the building game for our team, um, a game that we were supposed to lose. We were supposed to to be crushed, and then we we really won easily that game. And everyone was looking at us like, oh, okay, <laughs> this team is different than what we thought. And then we brought all that energy. To the to the end and then won all the games and against the Oxford in final the Oxford we were watching the game six months before uh, watching the 200-0 every game and we we're like oh so this is the team that we're going to play what's going to happen and then we brought the same energy the same intensity and won the game so I think the SQC game really is the the founding game of the Titans that we know now 
uh, it's mentally what made us realize that we were a good team and uh, that we didn't need to fear anyone. And uh, I think like uh, a lot of people from SQC now uh, that were in the team back then remember this game and and don't have a, a really good like memories of it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, certainly not, certainly not. But, um, yeah, there, there, there's, a, there's a saying where the success leaves clues um and i feel like that's really apparent like within that story yeah obviously losing uh to frog in that final the way you did and then really kind of knocked your confidence sort of go are we are we actually as good as we believe we are and then going to toulouse and um absolutely smashing that um and then obviously the southampton game i feel like in many ways um yeah being in the final that Toulouse tournament and playing for Southampton in that Southampton game um just want to say you're welcome for, <laughs> you know giving you that 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 boost of confidence that you needed yeah. to go on and achieve what you did um <laughs> I remember that Toulouse final where with, with the quirks we had 10 players um that team low very talented 10 but obviously against sort of the athleticism and the, the fitness that you guys had yeah there was no real contest yeah. uh, in the end, unfortunately. Um, and then going into EQC, I was like, wow, this this Titans team, like, they're pretty dangerous. But when we get to EQC, I'm going to have my Southampton team here. And like, <laughs> obviously, we just won the British Cup, so we're feeling pretty confident about ourselves. And yeah, I think we were pretty up for that, that group stage game. I think Aaron scored the first goal of the game. And then after that, it's pretty one-sided. Then Ollie got injured, as you mentioned, like, kind of rocked us a bit, little bit um but like after you kind of just got into your flow like we found it quite hard to, to like fully bring it back and uh obviously pulled off quite a, a dominant win in the end and uh that set you off for everything else that's come since for sure <laughs> so thank you <laughs> you're welcome you're welcome but, um but it's important to know that you get better when you play good teams so um it it was the, the opportunity to play those teams that made us better and then allowed us to even for like competitive player like myself or, or the other player in the team we wouldn't stick to the sport if we didn't have a good team to play against because that's what motivates you uh, and that's what makes the game interesting so if you blow up every game you're going to play one year maybe two and then stop if you have uh, good opponents every time and then tough games that's what makes you want to train and makes you get better so so that's that's very important. And, you know, I talk about the SQC game because it was a good team and then we played a good game. I don't talk a lot about the other games because some of them were <laughs> less interesting. So it's it's good for SQC, you see what I mean? <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's a nice little story to share with our yeah. listeners. Um, so, yeah, just like circling back around to sort of the French side of things. Obviously, like you have yourself, Paris Tysons and Paris Frog, who played each other many times down the years and you know, repeatedly meet each other in the French final. Even at EQC now. We only, we always play the trial. And EQC now <laughs> just gone. Um so th there's quite a lot of history between the two. Obviously yeah. uh it's quite a one sided rivalry in that, that Frog haven't won since that that game in twenty fourteen. Um but could you tell us a bit more about what it's like to play within that rivalry and kind of what your relationship is with Paris Frog as a team? Well, I think um, this relationship has evolved a lot uh, through the years. 
And then I think what you saw at uh, this QC last week um, really highlights, highlights it. Uh, at first, it was a pretty tense uh, rivalry. People didn't like each other. We were we didn't like to play against each other. Uh, it was like a not. It was most a, a very big rivalry and not a friendship at all. Um, and also because of the history, some of the players were playing together before uh, in the same teams, and then they created two teams: the the, the the Frogs and the Phoenix. So it was really close to that moment. So people were like. Kind of, but I was not in part of the Frog of Phoenix, but I know some people on my team were, and, and there was uh, some tension there. Um, but then over the years, um, I think mostly because of the French team um, that we that made us play together uh, a lot, train together a lot as well, uh, and, and share a lot of uh, you know games and and emotions together. Uh, the, the two teams are really uh, getting closer every every year, and I think like um, well, you. I just saw that you were on the Raptors game, but you you, you saw that um, maybe that the the Titans uh, were cheering for the for the Frogs in the quarterfinal, and then as soon yeah, as yeah yeah nice is that <laughs> as Lenny got the snitch, we we just uh, stormed the field and, and shared a moment with them, and that would not have happened like a few years back. Uh, but now nothing is uh, you know nothing is calculated, nothing is forced. We just like each other, and then we, we support each other much more than than we used to, and even then the then they, they supported us in our games against the um, the Dodos and uh, and the werewolves. Um, so yeah, I think it's a pretty good relationship. Uh, we we train a lot together. I think there is still more uh, to do. Uh, I would love for us to have like a shared practice through the years to to play against each other more and and you know to to compete a bit more. Um, but we'll see we'll see what the next year brings. But it's a, it's a it's a better relationship than it used to be for sure. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. Like it's really kind of matured over the years, yeah. and as you spent more time together on the national team, and uh, sort of bonding in those moments, sort of going, okay, like understands this person much better now, and yeah, maybe they are a bit nicer than I thought they were. And, uh, yeah, nice kind of having that moment EQC that you can support each other. Obviously, not when you're playing against each other um, in the first yeah, playoff, yeah, but uh, otherwise, yeah, sort of being there for each other. But there was a, a frog player the, in Limerick that told me, oh, you're actually really nice when I talk to you uh, outside of the field, because it's a person that we, we didn't have the chance to talk a lot. It's not in the French, in the French team. Uh, and we were, we, I, since I argue a lot on the field, and it was like, oh, okay, so, so you're actually uh, cool to talk to outside of the field. I'm like, yeah, what, what did you expect? Like, uh, that I was going to be actually outside of the field and everything. Uh, but it was a fun moment that we have, uh, like, misconceptions of what people are uh, because we see them on the on the pitch uh, and of course they're different outside of the pitch so so i think we learned that uh, through the years with the with the frogs mm, yeah definitely it's uh nice to have so just get, kind of going back to um summer 2015 you mentioned you spent a few months in new york um yeah. over there and got a chance to play with the new york titans in like, the, the very first season of nlq uh, so it was a pretty exciting time. Um, obviously, Titans did pretty well. They made it all the way to the finals to play Boston. Didn't yeah. win the finals, but no. got there. And obviously, uh, Augie Monroe came up from Texas to play the Titans as well. So a pretty special summer. So could you tell us kind of what was it like playing in MLQ at that time in comparison to playing in Europe? Kind of what your favorite memories of that summer? Well, it's... 
I experienced it uh, as a like as a rookie and uh, with a, a not a lot of knowledge uh, of the game. I think if I would do it now, I would like uh, leave it in a different way because I know a lot more of the game and I, I would be able to to bring a lot more to the team. Um, but I was in a learning process back then and uh, trying to to get as much information as I could. Um, and I got to play with uh, with really great players and beaters. Uh, I know you you know about uh, Mario Nasta, Ian Dillman, mm. stuff like that. Th th those players were um, that became friends after that. We shared a lot of uh, they shared a lot of information with me. Um, they, they 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 talked to me about their way of playing the game, what they view on the game. And I think I was like trying to uh, get as much information as I could, get as much uh, knowledge of the game. Uh, and I was trying to you know understand why the Americans uh, were that much better at the sport because back then they, I think the gap was even bigger than it is now. Um, and uh, so in France, we were playing with uh, not a lot of strategy. The snitch and pitch was non-existent. Uh, we were just, you know, uh, running guns all the time, like the Phoenix Suns back then, you know, <laughs> it's like, uh, the, you know, play, playing for offense only mostly. Uh, and then I learned a lot of the strategies and flow of the game and that the beaters were supposed to, you know, kind of control that flow. Um, so even though I was playing mostly chaser with them, um, I, I learned a lot about beaters by watching them. And um, yeah, I think it was uh, super important for me and for the team, uh, the Titans, uh, the, the Paris Titans, uh, that we we got a lot better because of that summer, I think. And uh, also playing against uh, like against and with player like Ogi Monroe, Lindsay, uh, Yada, stuff like that. They they share a lot and they they, they had experience. They they had like three, four, five years experience uh, of the game, uh, and I have like four months. <laughs> so. <laughs> I was I was listening and trying to learn as much as I could. Uh, for the best uh, memory, I would say uh, it's hard, but there are a lot. But I think like uh, playing uh, playing in the MLQ um, Championship weekend was uh, a, a really amazing experience because uh, in the US they know to you know make a make a show, make a make an enjoyable moment of sports yeah. events, um, and it's always uh, always great to to to, to be there. And to experience that, uh, and I, I got lucky enough to to be part of the team that went to the final, so to enjoy the weekend uh, to the to the longest, to the fullest. Uh, so it yeah, it was a really great moment, uh, even though we had to drive all the way to Ohio to to live, <laughs> to enjoy it. But other than no that, one wants that. <laughs> yeah, no one wants that. Even they didn't want that, but we had to. <laughs> but yeah, it was a, a really cool moment, and uh, everyone was like, um, you know, really cheering for all the teams. Uh, until the final, uh, all the teams that didn't make it to the final were like putting on a show for everyone. It was a, a really cool moment. Yeah, definitely. The, yeah, sounds like a pretty valuable experience to have, like so early in the sport, like to play alongside some of the greats, like playing with Augie Munro and Michael Parada, like Lindsay Morella, sort of these players that have got on to become icons of the sport and really influenced the game in America. Yeah. And then it's kind of be, being a sponge of information and then sending all that back to Paris, which I guess was, um, was obviously Charles uh, also played in Texas as well. So, yeah, in many ways, you, you've, been, you've been quite lucky to have got this first-hand information from America and been able to transplant it into the Titans. Yeah, especially that early in our development. Like Charles played before me, like a year before me uh, in Texas. 
uh, and went to the Frog, then to the Titans. And so after, when I got back, we had Charles, me, with like both six months of experience in the US. And that's kind of unheard of in Europe, um, in the Quidditch world. And uh, I think that that gave us a big edge uh, for like two, three years before the other team uh, could catch up with uh, with the knowledge that we, we had. And implementing that with our, you know, physical game uh, that we, we already had the edge and that allowed us to, want, to win in Oxford, that really mm. made it a, a, a good mix uh, to, to kind of dominate uh, as we did. Yeah, definitely. Like having sort of spent a bit of time in the US myself and I had the pleasure of training with the Warriors at one point, which is kind of a good... Yeah. That they share a lot of players with the New York Titans, okay. and just like the intelligence of some of those players was incredible. Like you, you'd notice a little mistake and try and exploit it. They'd already identified that mistake, and then before you could punish them for it, they would have then corrected it. Um, which is very, very smart. So kind of having that game intelligence, yeah, it's like if you can learn that from players like that, it's it's really valuable. Yeah, for sure. I learned uh, to play beer against Kyle Jean. I don't know if you know because he didn't. Oh, have yeah. So yeah, he he taught me to to throw the. He didn't have the like the, the strongest arm, but he was always winning his duel. And I was like, how do you do it? Because it's weird. Like you, you <laughs> when you 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 beat me, it's like super soft. But every time you beat me, and he's like, yeah, but it's because I'm looking at the way you move, and I know when you can and when you can't throw the ball. And then according to that, I know when you're going to throw the ball. And then I know when you're not going to be able to, to like to dodge or to, to, to cut the bludger or whatever. And so I, he was uh, really trying to throw at the perfect moment every time. And, and it worked. And, and I learned a lot uh, about that because I was like trying to, to, you know, to, to play against him, to duel against him. It was really not easy. And I was stronger than him. And I threw the bludger stronger than he did. But uh, it didn't work, <laughs> so uh, I had to adapt. And, and, and I think a lot of the of the the, the bludger catch that I do, uh, and uh, and and you know, the, the try to to guard and to block with my bludger is like I learned it from him, uh, and it's something that I didn't have before. And I think it's like a a good uh, a good thing to have in your arsenal and stuff like that. I wouldn't know if I was not playing against like better beaters than than me in the US for sure. Yeah, it's a really interesting insight to have. And uh, yeah, big, big shout out to Kyle. That's pretty cool. <laughs> um, so this is kind of a fun question now. If you could add a Quaffle player and a beater from that New York Titans team that you played with to either the French national team or the Paris Titans, who would you choose and why? I'll start with the, the female player because it's so easy. Uh, I would take uh, Lindsay for sure, Lindsay Marella. For me, is the best is the best chaser I've played with. Um, I would even say uh, just best chaser, not best female chaser. Uh, and like she's uh, really physical and she's really clever and she also she's always at the good at the good spots at the good time. So she would fit so well in the Titans. Like I could see her uh, scoring uh, 90 percent of our goals. <laughs> uh, on a you know on the run from the right with a pass from Albert or Mikel uh, coming left, uh, I, I would see that happening, and I would see her playing point defense as well. So that, that would be that would be really nice to have. Um, and for um, for male player, I, 
I'd probably pick, well, it's a bit biased, but I would probably pick Mario. Um, yeah. First, because I would love to play with him again. Uh, and then now, since we play a lot of double male beater, it would be nice to to be three and not two. <laughs> and to to have such a, a mind for the game that, <clears throat> that could help us, uh, you know, create new strategies and uh, <clears throat> and find new ways to to be better because that's what he does. Uh, I remember him playing for his team and he always told me that he didn't have all the time the best player, but he was trying to to play to their strengths and create strategy to to make them better. And that's really what we need in Quidditch. I think uh, it's playing to our strengths because uh, not all of the players and a lot of the teams are the, the best athletes in the world. But if you manage to to play to your strengths, you can really dominate the and win games like that. And I feel like the, for example, the German teams that we see at the at the AQC or maybe the, even the national teams, they, they 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 really do that pretty well. They have a mind for the game and they and they play to their strengths and, and they play according to that. And I think that Mario would really bring that to to either the French team or the Titans, and that would really make us better. And mm-hmm. I would have fun as well playing with him. So <laughs> win win. Yeah, two, two excellent choices. And you said like with Lindsay, like. It's a no-brainer. Like, yeah, like if you watch her play, like you you know she's amazing. But yeah, Mario also a fantastic choice. And like, yeah, he I think he doesn't really get the recognition he deserves, especially yeah. outside of the US. But he's a very smart, intelligent player. Like the way he kind of plays himself, and then amongst his teammates, and like he'll have his little bits, like the way he holds the bludgeon, like the stance he has, like when he's waiting on defense and things like that, like. He's a very unique and interesting player to watch. So yeah, yeah he, good I think he doesn't get the recognition because he didn't play in a in a in a major team um, that that could allow him to you know win nationals or go, get a good run there. Uh, but he, he he'd rather stay with his team and uh, and try to to bring them to the to the maximum that they could go. Uh, and I think that's that's honorable as well. And uh, it's it's a bit of a shame that he's not recognized at the, at the national or international level, but. So some of the people that played against him knows. So that, that yeah. matters. <laughs> <laughs> it's very much like, yeah, if you know, you know. But uh, exactly. shout out to Mario, shout out to Lindsay. Uh, two great selections. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I just want to focus on you individually as a player and obviously as a beater. So kind of looking at your own game, how do you describe your approach to beating? Um, <laughs> I would say that the most important thing in as a beater is being strategic uh, and being able to make a good decision under under pressure uh, and that's why i um try to do because i don't try to go for the for the fancy plays uh, the you know the the 20 meters beat or the <laughs> or the you know the the 1.5 tackle and the under the, um, the hoops or whatever even though my uh, my coach uh, and friend albert would love for me to do that but um, I think that I um, try to, to think strategically about this game uh, and to uh, really control the pace of the game. Um, and that's why, I, that's why I want to do as a beater, uh, whether it's on defense, um, knowing if my chaser can stop uh, the chaser uh, most of the time, then I'll focus more on you know, uh, putting pressure on the beers and trying to then get back the ball at the quaffle. Uh, or if they can't and that they have really good beaters and uh, a good, pretty good chaser and really good pass options, uh, I will be a bit more passive and try to, you know, uh, defend more uh, and help my defense a lot more. Uh, and it's really about adaptating to, to the flow of the game and to your opponents. That really matters. And some players are really good against a certain type of team. 
and some players are good against another type of team, but it's really the great beaters are the ones that can be good against any team because they can adapt. So sometimes, like for example, against the Dodos, I will have to play a lot more uh, uh, dual style, uh, a lot of fights, uh, because Louis is playing super aggressive all the time. So you have to, you know, match him sometimes and be able to, to react to what he does. Um, but against some other team, like the, the German team or whatever, if you play aggressive like that, you're just going to get swallowed up to their hoops and then nothing is going to happen. So then you have to find other ways uh, to break their defense or and stuff like that. So really what matters and what I feel like I'm good at is adapting to um, the your opponent and, and play according to that. And that's mm -hmm. something, I guess, that comes from experience, but also from watching a lot of the games and, and knowing uh, what what your opponent is going to bring to the table. Yeah, so... Really good answer there. And uh, yeah, I feel from what I've seen of you play, like it really rings true uh, in terms of your play style. And like, I'd say the way I'd describe you as a player is you're very efficient, is, yeah. is probably the best way to put it. Like, your positioning, I think, is a really strong aspect of the way you play. You don't get drawn way out of the field too much. And yeah, just very kind of calm and calculated. Like, if, like, if there's like an opportunity, to beat you're thinking okay is this is this the right play to make or is this like the more risky play to make and kind of yeah. making that decision and i don't know sort of going hmm do i need to do i need to make a run here no i don't really need to make a run i can take a few more steps and then i can make this beat here like i, I don't feel like you purposely risk anything in the way you play yeah um which i think works quite well in that titan system where you have so many athletes around you that they can kind of supply that energy and sort of you can apply that in your own game as and when you need to yeah exactly and so i try to play um thinking like it's uh, the last play of the game every time which means that uh, if you make a bad decision like you you throw you try to beat someone that you shouldn't and you lose better control okay if it's five minutes into the game it's not that bad but if if it's like 18 minutes into the game, then you probably lose the game on the on the snitch catch 30 seconds later. And I try to be careful about that all the time and to not lose it at five minutes uh, and not lose it at 18 minutes. But I'm not less careful at the beginning of the game than at the end because I feel like uh, like having control is um, so good offensively and defensively that uh, sometimes you have to. Sometimes we just purposely uh, lose a play on offense or on defense just to get better control, and I think that really matters. And, and I get to call that um, as a beater, which is cool because um, sometimes they listen to me and it's good. <laughs> but um, but uh, yeah, it's it's cool to be able to do that. Uh, I think against the Dodos, we we lose better control like maybe 20 seconds before uh, uh, snitch on pitch, and I say I don't care. We we take a goal uh, and, and we just go on the beaters and they. They surprised them because they, they scored. Uh, and I think the, the Quaffle uh, carrier went through me, like literally through me. And I just didn't didn't care about him. And I just went for the beater. Uh, I think it was uh, Elizabeth, but I'm not sure. Uh, that was uh, right behind him. And then just got blood control back. Uh, and we were able to have a, a good bubble on the snitch. So, you know, it's really thinking about uh, where you are, at the timing of the, of the play, where you are on the field. And don't risk too much if it's not it's not worth it, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so like in terms of like tactics, both kind of 
think about yourself as an individual, but also collectively as a team. And uh, what what do you do in terms of building that side of the game? Like, are there certain teams and players that you like to watch, or maybe like do you take inspiration from other sports and kind of apply that into Quidditch? Like, what's the thought process there? Um, the the small issue we have with that is that. Um, I was saying that we have to play to our strength and um, like for example recently we had the uh, limited rosters so it kind of limits our options uh, strategically but um, other than that we try to to really watch games uh, and to to discuss it a lot uh, within the team because I know not a lot of not all all the team is watching the games not all the team is uh, you know uh, planning strategy but what matters is that uh, the ones that do um, try to bring that back and bring that knowledge to to the team, and uh, that really I think this the discussions that we have and uh, the exchanges that we have within the team that really makes our strategy working because uh, it involves everyone and we we all have our input and we really try to to create something uh, and even some people that don't uh, make or understand a lot of the strategies they are always have good suggestions and good inputs to have uh, because we all come from different sports and uh, so we have we all have a different vision and sometimes one of us is going to say hey but we can do that I, I do that in my sport and you're like okay and you think about it you try to you know really uh, imagine what it's going to look like and then you're like hey, maybe that, that's going to good that's going to be good and then you try it at the next game and it works and then you you implement it uh, in the team um so i think it's a chance that we have a lot of people coming from so many different sport backgrounds and that really uh, help us to have a, um, a different strategies but um like i said we have strategies that we can't really implement right now because of uh, of a limited roster but hopefully it will uh, it will evolve uh, in the next uh, few months or year and we'll be able to to do everything that we have in our minds <laughs> <laughs> okay that's a really interesting answer and uh yeah from the sounds of it yeah, as you, as you were saying, like you kind of fall back on like the sporting IQ yeah. of of your teammates, and yeah, like, I think there's some some real benefits to that. And like in ter- in terms of like creating strategy across like a team wide thing, if you have that common kind of sporting intelligence, it can mean that when you are implementing those strategies and like you're trying things out for the first time, like there's a lot less chance like disconnects that you get like within a lot of Quidditch teams you get obviously people who tried other sports and then switched to Quidditch but then you also have people who don't really have a sporting background then trying to explain those same kind of concepts and those those kinds of moves and whatever else is like another hurdle to overcome before you can get to that place so uh, yeah it's really interesting to kind of yeah look at examples from things that have worked within another sport and then applying them to Quidditch and seeing what happens. Yeah, yeah for sure. And we, like I said, we also try to watch uh, games uh, of the, the best team in Europe and the US to really see what they do and see how they react. Um, it's mostly to see how they react to other team strategies because like, for example, hoop defense and stuff like that, we want to see all the best uh, teams in the world uh, play against that because they might have great insights, they might have great ideas and they might have uh, strategies that works. So we try to 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 add that to our, um, you know, sports background and we, we try to, to implement stuff from the best teams as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a good good mix of things there. 
And um, just kind of talking about, uh, I guess, your preparation as a team, uh, as Titans throughout the year. Like, with the, with the standard of competition in France, like you, you, there's quite sort of a drop-off and then you have sort of tougher games against the likes of Paris Frog um, you know, towards the, the, the French Cup final and things like that. Um, but yeah, also throughout the season, you don't have like a, a large amount of tournaments to sort of prepare yourselves for uh, the European Cup when it comes around. So how do you know like in training whether you're reaching the standard you need to win EQC that year? Of what's it like kind of in those months before EQC preparing? Well, if you you want the answer now or the answer or what it was before, because it's a bit <laughs> <different>. <laughs> I'll probably say before first um, and then now. <laughs> well, before it was uh, it was much better because um, we are all living in Paris, uh, all uh, focused and um, and showing up at uh, practice every every week, basically. Um, so we had a, 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 like a lot of practices, good practice, and uh, we also had a lot of uh, French camp uh, for the for the for the team friends that were uh, being set up. So we basically uh, trained uh, every week and like every month with all the frogs and the and the titans and and the best player in France as well. So it was really good, and we we had a, a good flow going. Um, but the COVID uh, issues uh, kind of killed that, uh, and. Also, it made a lot of the players uh, live outside of Paris. Like me, for example, I live in the Southwest now um, in France. I don't live in Paris anymore, so it's harder to train uh, as a team. And we have uh, less people uh, at practice for sure. Um, of thing, thanks for the thanks for the Olympian. Thanks to the Olympian, we have uh, like uh, enough people to practice every time, uh, mostly. But uh, for the Titans uh, roster, it's not easy to, to play together. Um, we still have the, the French uh, team weekend, which is good because uh, it really it really helps us play together at a high level with the best player in the country. Uh, but I don't think it's enough for sure. Um, and as you said, like knowing if you're uh, at the the level you should be uh, pre EQC, we just had no idea. Uh, to be honest, I, I didn't think we would do uh, that good, uh, and I think we played uh, much better than uh, what I expected. Um, so, yeah, we, we the, there is an issue in, in, in really practicing together and hopefully uh, we, we started to implement stuff as a team uh, since last week to, to, you know, get the best ideas to, to make it work next year. Um, maybe to, you know, have uh, two practices a month all together um, and like maybe less practices, but, you know, on a fixed date. So we have everyone at the at the practice and then everyone can play together and can like come from wherever they are in France and play together um, during that weekend, the whole weekend. So maybe stuff like that, um, because we need to get back in that uh, in that uh, flow of, you know, training together and doing together because uh, we could see it, especially in the chaser game uh, for the Titans that we, we were lacking some uh, some automatism, some um, you know, some strategies, some some things were not clicking like they they should, and we missed a lot of opportunities uh, of scoring like that. And I think that's why we didn't get out of range a lot uh, this uh, QC, uh, and uh, we had to rely on uh, snitch and pitch and uh, good uh, good battles to to win games, and that worked uh, for some times, but um, should have maybe worked a little more. <laughs> but um, 
but yeah, it's not uh, what we really want to do. It's it's part of what we want to do, but we also want to be able to get out of range. Uh, and for that, I think we need uh, to practice more together because I, I'm talking about the chaser, but there was also this connection between uh, beaters and chaser where, um, you know, beaters were doing their thing and chaser were not starting. And then when the beaters is done and beats and going back to the hoop, the chaser is now uh, defenseless and trying to score. So we, we had a lot of disconnections and, and, and I think uh, that were not there before and uh, are completely due to lack of practice together because we are all fit. We are all, um, you know, uh, working out uh, on our side. We are all doing all the sports. We are all uh, physically good, but uh, we have this uh, chemistry issue for sure. And, uh, and that's the preparation to AQC and globally to this year is not uh, on par with what it used to be. So we, we need as a team to, to, to get together and to, to, to really understand what we need to do and how we can you know, manage uh, the life of everyone with practicing right. together next year. And hopefully we manage that and then we, we come back stronger for sure. Yeah, it definitely sounds like a, a problem that's kind of evolved over time, um, just in terms of like people's personal circumstances, obviously geography being a, a bit yeah, of a factor we, in some we cases. We grow older as well. So, you know, life is taking a, a lot more space uh, than yeah. we used to. I mean, I started playing, I was 20, 20, 21 maybe. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's different when you're 28. Um, so mm. it's, uh, life is a, a lot different, but we, we, we can still find ways and we, we will try to do so. Yeah. And I, I think you can, from, from what you're saying, it's kind of a case of when you can get that consistency in, in training and like you're practicing together, and like it's coming off like it's great and it works but yeah it's just trying to find ways of doing that and maximizing the time you have together yeah and i think that with with all the work that we put uh on our side of things uh physically and individually i think that maybe one weekend out of three or something like that if we spend the whole weekend together every time that would be enough uh, for the chemistry to be here and, and to, to for us to to be a lot stronger on the field so I don't think we need to to bring everyone back to Paris and to 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 train every Sunday from ten to to to, to six. I don't know, but um, I think that we can find ways to accommodate everyone and to to be a much better team. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just kind of talking about the topic of complacency now, because obviously, like you guys have not just won one European title, you've won four as Paris Titans and two as the French national team. So you've just got a lot of pedigree at the top level and a lot of success so like so after winning so many titles like how do you and the titans avoid complacency and like manage to keep coming back at it and keep driving for the win um i mean driving for the win is uh, not an issue at all because in our team everyone is very competitive and always want to win so that's that's not really an issue but avoiding complacency is a bigger issue i think that uh not going to go into details, I think, but uh, within the team, we had a kind of a split uh, of people, you know, that were not confident that uh, well, we're confident in our capabilities, but not really uh, sure that we practiced enough and then that we should like, you know, plan strategies to to adapt if we were not able to get out of range like we did. Uh, and some people were like, yeah, it's fine. We're going to get out of range every time and win all the games. So it's, um, I think there was some complacency in the team for sure um and uh as you can see in what i say i was kind of against that but um it's 
uh, I think that this loss uh, is kind of going to help us, but more than this loss, because this loss was like super close and really doesn't say who's the better team because it's like a, a snitch catch on one try. So it's like, it's really a close game and I, it's not going to be a shock for everyone. But I think it's most of how the tournament played out uh, that is going to be a shock for our team that we didn't get a revenge against uh, Munich, against uh, Rain, against uh, everyone else, basically. Uh, so uh, it's I think it's going to be good because people are going to realize that the other teams are like closer to us than we thought. Uh, and uh, hopefully that's going to help us make a... Uh, I create what I was talking about just before that, uh, you know, for next year, planning uh, practices regularly, being there like uh, every other week or every three weeks or whatever, and then really um, try to grow as a team. And if we manage to do that, 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 that would be great. And if we can uh, find uh, the will and the motivation to do that in this year's AQC, um, that would be great. Um, so I think we, we can you know, channel these struggles or, or these close games uh, to to really help us get back on track next year. Mm. Even though it was not a bad OQC again, but, uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that is, it, yeah, it's a good answer there. And um, yeah, obviously it, it's quite strange because obviously like within the French game, you do so well. And then you have these much more challenging games at EQC. But in the past, you've been able to win those games and sort of go, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, but obviously, with this latest defeat coming five years after the previous one uh, in well, 2017, which is quite uh, yeah, wild to think of, isn't it? <laughs> I, do, I do feel like um, last time we won was the same. Like we were every game where uh, like 60, 60, 70, 70 uh, uh, in quarter play, and then we we caught for the win. Um, and I think like even this year we were technically playing better than last time because uh, the bubble was much better and uh, basically they didn't they didn't have a chance to um, to uh, to catch every time like all the whole the the four games that we played in range they didn't have a shot at the at the snitch except when we lost <laughs> they had one shot <laughs> uh, and uh, the catch from Outworld doesn't really count for me because a lot of stuff happened and the people that were there knows so I'm probably Probably they would probably listen to that and know what I'm talking about. So that doesn't really, doesn't really count to me. But uh, yeah, the, the bubble was really good. Uh, but last time, last time you see, um, we they they had opportunities to catch. Uh, we just got lucky. Uh, and I think this year we got unlucky. But the bubble was better. I think we were better snitch on pitch this year. And I think we were the best team in the tournament snitch on pitch. We just got. I mean that the world was just as amazing seekers like, <laughs> like. What can you do? It's just like you, you, you resist for like seven, eight minutes uh, without, you know, one opportunity and then you give them one and then and then they, they, they get the snitch. So it's like they have amazing seekers and props to them for that because uh, that's that's a, a really good shot that they that they had and they made the best of it. But I don't think that really defines our AQC and that really um, I, I do feel like we were uh, better uh, snitch on pitch than we were last time. So some of the stuff even though we don't we didn't win some of the stuff are really good and better than last time uh, and i think last time we got really lucky to win the the, the qc uh, and 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 this year we paid a bit for it maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah true the yeah like with, with that snitch catch in the semi-final like it, it's just it's just so out of the blue and like as you're saying like 
you, you had such control of the game and then all of a sudden that one opportunity you give give them and they catch and uh, yeah they're, they're just one shot yeah. and that, that's they, all you need sometimes isn't it like when you have a seeker yeah it's a bit frustrating when you have we, we had five minutes of one and ones against the seeker but then I mean, we had five minutes to catch the sitch. We didn't manage to, and then they had one shot. But we we knew it before the game. We knew their two two seekers were really good, and we Val and I we were like, we know that we're gonna dominate in the bubble. But we also know that if we miss a beat or if we or if we like give them ten to fifteen seconds, they will they will catch. And we were expecting them to to one tap the snitch, and uh, and that's what happened. So. I wasn't surprised. Like when I saw it happen, I was like, "Yeah, yep, <laughs> I knew it." <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, but I mean, I was pretty happy that the way we played. Uh, the, 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 I don't know. I don't know the minute they caught, but the, the time we played before that, I think we played well. And uh, it's like a, a game of little things because uh, I think there was a there was a stoppage uh, right before they they caught the snitch, and right out of the stoppage, we duel against the other beater from the werewolves, and I beat him, and I. Cut, cut the bludger, but then let it slip through my fingers. And then if I just get that bludger, I can be, I can be the seeker. And then Val get back, gets back bludger control in like 10 seconds after that. But then that's 10 seconds. <laughs> and that's all they need. So, yeah, you can't really be mad about that that game and that catch. It's like, well, they had one shot, they took it, good job to them. Like, congratulations. And then you, you can't, like, Quidditch is a cruel sport and we won games like that as well. Uh, I remember when we had Boris uh, with the Titans uh, stealing games as well, uh, like that, when we, we didn't have really any, any opportunity and we had just, the beaters were just sacrificing themselves to give like five seconds to Boris <laughs> and then he would cut, the, he would catch the snitch in five seconds. Mm -hmm. So I can't be mad about that and and, and just really congratulate him to, to Colin to, to get that catch. Yeah, it's definitely a good kind of mature way of, of looking looking at things. The... Just while we're kind of on the subject of EQC, gonna cast your mind back five years previously in 2017 with yeah. the uh, NTNUI Dunk game, the EQC <laughs> quarterfinal. Um, yeah, like what what was it like playing in in that game in particular, and yeah, how did it help you kind of bounce back in 2018 when you won again? Well. You asked the question of complacency for this year, but in, in this year, in 2017, the complacency was at its fullest. <laughs> yeah. We were all uh, super sure that we were unbeatable uh, and there was no split in the team. Everyone was thinking that. And uh, we were not playing to, to our level. We trained a lot less than the, the previous years and uh, and we, we got beat for that. And we, we didn't respect the capacity of um, NTNUI to slow the game down enough and catch the, the game catch the snitch really fast that's what they did and then we were almost out of range but we were not and uh and that caught us a, a shot of a, at another tournament and uh that was really a shock to the team because we we didn't know what losing was like because the only loss we had before was against the frog and you know basically it was a long time ago and we were like oh it was our first tournament so that doesn't really count um, but this one counted and um so basically we had to to get all together and we all um you know really were motivated by this loss and and we really trained a lot more like we used to uh, and i think this loss really helped us get back to what we were and back to our level and um and that's what we did uh, for the following two years uh, we were playing at the top level i think 2018 was our best year 
Uh, that was the year we were the best, uh, and we were, you know, by, by far uh, the, the best team in Europe. Um, that was not really the case in 2019, but in 2018 it was, and I think was part of it was because of that loss and that the kind of the the will to to get back the trophy and to and to get better and to not let stuff like that happen again. Yeah, it's like a pretty valuable experience and. Uh... Obviously, with the nature of it being a quarterfinal rather than like a final or a, a semi-final, sort of when there's a medal on the line and you're sort of already kind of in that top sort of one, two, three, four, te- four teams of the tournament. To, so to it really honest, kind of came out of the blue. QC, when we go to a QC, we only won the first place. And, and there, to, be, to me, there is no difference in losing against Antonio United and against Werewolves. Uh, yeah. As a result of the tournament, there's a lot of difference in how it happened. Uh, of course, but uh, in the result of the tournaments, like being third or, or fifth, is like uh, doesn't really matter for us. But yeah, mm. and yeah, like you, you've got obviously that experience in 2017, and as you were saying before, like success leaves clues. Like you can look back at 2017 and then what happened in 2018, because obviously yeah. in 2017 you had like what happened at European Games with France and having being so close in the final there, and then mm. being able to right those wrongs the next year and obviously 2019 as well um and yeah you can look to that for inspiration i guess for this time yeah for 2023. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i hope the team will uh you know uh we'll like confront this together and, and realize what we need to do to 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 make sure we win next time and that to that we don't need to to have the perfect double against the the werewolves for 15 minutes to to win the game, and that we we can get them at the range because I thought I think that was really a possibility. Um, like I, I don't think we could have uh, gotten the dodos out of range, but I do think that the werewolves were uh, we were we would have been able playing at our best to 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 take to get them out of range. We're up 20 at some point, and I I think that if we if we manage to continue this, uh, we can go 40, 50, and then and then. The game is so different at 40-50 than it is uh, at 10 or zero. So yeah, I, I do think that I do feel like the team is gonna want to improve on that and, and show that we can do that for next year for sure. But I, I've talked to some of them and I know that the, the British team has, are gonna get better and better because they they want to do a, a great World Cup next year and they want to train all together. So I, I do feel like they they will also put in the work. So it will be interesting to see next year. Um, who improved the most and who's on top. So I'm looking forward to that for sure. Yeah, exactly. Like who who's hungry enough, who's gonna make the right developments and improvements. Yeah. yeah. Like it as exciting as this season has been, yeah, next season is even more exciting in some ways. Yeah, for sure. Um so yeah, obviously like with with Titans all the success you guys have had, like you tend to face quite a bit of hostility um from either the teams that you play or say in, in a big game the crowd will be cheering for the other team in lots of cases and it's quite a difficult atmosphere to be a part of so like what do you think of this and like how do you manage to deal with that animosity well i, I do think that animosity is a bit strong because uh most of the people are cheering for the for the other because we won so many times that they want another winner and i understand that um I would do the same probably. <laughs> like if if I wasn't on the Titans, I would probably cheer for the other team. But um, um, I do agree that we have a lot of uh, uh, people rooting against us. 
but um, I guess that that's fine because most of the time uh, we when we talk uh, to players and we, we play rough on the field, we play physically, uh, and we we play uh, kind of a no mercy style. But it's I I don't think it's uh, in a bad way because it's it's what the game is about. It's always in the rules. That competitive and, edge, isn't it? Sorry. Is that competitive edge, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean, I've always played like that in every sport, and and I don't. I don't feel like I should play different in Quidditch uh, as well because it's it's a sport we're here to win and we're here to to play the game and and um, everyone that's stepping up on the field is uh, you know especially at a QC you're not in a fantasy tournament or whatever if, if you're in fantasy tournament and you're you're starting to face beat everyone and then to tackle them and then to to be a, it's different but at a QC you you you're here to to, to compete and uh, if you step up on the field you accept that for sure. And uh, I, I do feel like um, we 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 respect everyone by playing that by, by playing this way, and that uh, we 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 don't change our ways uh, against any any opponent because we just play this game uh, like this. And so yeah, some people don't like that. I know that. And some people came up to me and say that they don't like that. Uh, I respect that, but I do feel like if you come to a QC, you come to compete, and then you you have to accept some of it. Um, but most of the best team that I played against, uh, all the discussion I had after the games and uh, even in between tournaments or whatever, they always uh, really good discussions. Uh, players, you know, uh, respecting uh, this, respecting the game, and, and really discussing it with us. And, and I don't feel any animosity at all when we talk. I have a lot of people come up to me and say, "Oh, I like the way you play. Can we discuss this or that?" And then I always take time to, to discuss because it's it's cool to. To have this kind of uh, you know uh, exchanges and, and and you can share a lot of a lot of things. Um, so I, I I don't feel like um, it's that bad and that we it's like you said it's an, it's hard atmosphere to be part of. I, I don't think so because mm. outside of the games, I mean myself I'm pretty annoying in the games and I know that and <laughs> so I, I understand that people that someone that plays against me doesn't like me when I'm on the field and that's fine. But uh, and I, I don't really care. But when we play, when we talk after the game, I will never be like annoying or trying to be aggressive or whatever. I will always be nice and respectful. And I think that people respect that, and then they know they know that, and then yep. then they respect you for it. So I do feel like there is a difference in in on the field and outside of the field. And I don't mind getting uh, uh, rooted against on the field because. Personally, it drives me, so I don't care. But, um, <laughs> but the, the really, what really matters is that outside of the field after the games, when you all cheers and we all, you know, shake hands and discuss about the games, and, and I really like that. And I, I do feel like uh, most of the teams are, don't have an issue with with us after those games. Uh, it's mostly what happens in the games and uh, and the, the tough uh, the tough contacts and tough physical plays that we do. But I mean, that's part of the game to me. Yeah, it's a it's a good distinction to draw up, and uh, to I guess for people who don't realize that to realize that and that that that's sport for you, and uh, yeah, like there's another saying that I look to is like pressure is is privilege, like being in those situations, like it means you're doing something right that all these teams sort of see you as kind of the team to beat, and yeah, it seems like you guys are really embraced that as a team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Also, I feel like th th there's certainly an element of like a language barrier between like certain players. Like I think within the French game, obviously 
like you, you speak pretty pretty good English. That's why we're here. But um, pretty rusty. Yeah, like, uh, I uh, feel like when I'm talking to you, well. uh, I'm looking for my words all the time, and it's a bit <laughs> annoying. But uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, I feel like that there is a bit of a disconnect between some of the players within like France and then the rest of Europe, where they can't communicate in English as well, and a lot of people can't communicate very well in French. So there's kind of that lack of like understandings sort of player to player sort of individual to ind individual as well which kind of feeds into it a little bit yeah yeah for sure um we we get a bit better uh, i would say but uh yeah it's true that some of our some of our main players don't don't speak the the, the best english and uh, like for example val is able to communicate but is mm. uh, like not really looking forward to like you know engaging people in english and stuff like that and that's 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 a shame because he has a great personality and people would like him, uh, for sure. And um, yeah, it's it's harder to 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 show it uh, this way for, for sure. But most of our, we don't take English lessons, but I, I feel like the <laughs> the English level in our team is getting a lot better. So don't hesitate to come talk to us. We most of us will be able to answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just kind of being being part of the sport, I guess, sort of helps that all and. Uh... Yeah, I can definitely back that with Val. Like we we played randoms cup together, and um, yeah, like being able to uh, speak together like in French, because I yeah I, I studied at university, and I'm terribly out of practice now. But that that one weekend playing together was a really fun because he's a very talented player, yeah. but also like getting to know him as a person was really nice as well. So it's it's good to make an effort as well. <laughs> yeah, too bad that not, not a lot of people speak French outside of France, but uh, yeah, <laughs> props to you for that. <laughs> um, so just kind of looking at the uh, French national team now. Yeah. Obviously, with, with France, you've been able to win two uh, European titles, one while you were over in the US 2015 and then one in 2019 and the second in 2017. Uh, and then, but at the World Cup, it's not been quite as successful as you as you'd want. I think that's kind of a really motivating factor if I if I know you well. So like why why do you think this is that you haven't been able to achieve as much on the world stage and kind of what are your hopes and expect expectations for next year's World Cup in Richmond? Well it's hard to to reset that we didn't perform at World Cup because uh if you're only looking at, at rankings, yeah, but I do feel like the the reality is a bit different. Um, the the World Cup in in Germany, uh, we we played against Australia. That went on to win the game, the the whole tournament. Uh, we played against them in quarterfinal. We got we were up 40 at some point. Uh, we were playing a really good game, and again we didn't manage to catch the snitch. But uh, we were supposed to win that game. Like nine times out of ten, we win that game. Uh, and then if we win that game, we probably end up in the final. And then who knows? against the US. I mean, Australia managed to win. So I don't I don't know if we would have been able to win, but <laughs> maybe, you know, can happen on one game. So so that, that that is a bit we finished fifth, but that could have been a lot better. And I think the team was really good. So so that's a bit uh, a bit of a disappointment in the rankings. But I, I do feel like the tournament was a good one for us and that we played really well. Um and for the, the other one, uh it's uh <laughs> It's a, a really bad memory. Uh, I mean, since we we beat Belgium a, a lot of times and the Dodos uh, in in cruel fashion, I'm not going to complain a lot. 
because uh, <laughs> it can happen both sides. But um, yeah, that game was uh, was won by us after the, the snitch catch. That was uh, called no good. Um, and I mean, it was, I, I don't know, but the, the game was super long. We, we played two games in, in two days against Belgium and it was super close every time. Could have gone either way. Same, it was quarterfinal. Then, then uh, I mean, we, we could probably have won that game. Uh, some would some would argue we, we already did, but um, and then you you end up they they, they end up winning. Uh, we end up losing and going to to bracket plays, and then they beat. Uh, and Australia is that of the competition because uh, they played against the US, and then they beat in the semifinal, and then they go to the final and they lose to the US after playing a, an amazing game. So, you know, we could we could have we could have easily do two finals uh with a, a bit more uh luck or a bit more uh you know um i don't know how to say that in english but you know a bit more a bit more success and a bit more luck on our side um yep. so that would have been uh, at least two silver medals maybe one gold who knows uh it's, it's two games against the us at least uh, that that have been uh, missed by our team so I, I do feel like it's sad that we didn't have the rankings that we that we expected because we finished uh, five and six, I think, um, because we lost to Australia in the in in, in the, the fifth place game, I think. Uh, yeah. But um, it, the the story is a bit different than when the what it is, and uh, I do feel like uh, what we need for next year is to really um, work on those details that will allow us to to win the, those those uh, really close game, those uh, you know on pitch games to close games because basically in both games we were up 20 or 30 at some point and we just let the let the lead go so for Richmond the only way to 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 assure that there is no uh, disappointment like this is to really work on those details and work on that uh, skill of finishing the game because I don't want to lose again in the quarterfinal uh, against a, a team that we could win against and then to to watch them play the us in the final uh, <laughs> because we did that two times already and it's a bit annoying so um so yeah basically uh we, we just need to to get that step and to 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 you know have a bit of luck uh, and a lot of practice to, to to make sure it goes our way this time mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's a really good clarification to make like i feel like a lot of people when they think about 2016 they remember the australian victory and like that big shock yeah. that happened, but few remember. I don't remember, that we were up forty against them. <laughs> yeah, like, few remember that quarterfinal and like how well you guys played, especially like at the start of that game. Um, and obviously that team goes on to win the World Cup. So yeah, in another timeline, who knows? We could be sitting here as a a French world champion or yeah, yeah. a French silver medalist. Uh, who knows? But uh, it, it's important to to be able to remember that. I think. Yeah, and I do feel like uh, in 2016 we had a uh, we had a shot at winning for sure. Um, after being Australia, we could have uh, went on and, and and take the whole thing. 2018, I don't think uh, that uh, we would have been able to beat the US because I, I've watched the game uh, USA Belgium and the the Belgium playstyle fitted so well in that game, mm. and that's what allowed them to to really uh, you know, play eye to eye with the US. And I don't feel we are able to, to play that play style. And I don't think that our play style would have worked against them. So so it's kind of better for, for Europe that uh, Belgium went on, the, on to play that game because they, they played an amazing game. Um, but in 2016, I do feel like our, our team was uh, 
I don't know, I would not say the better one, but uh, was the one that could do the upset as well as Australia. And and that's a bit of a disappointment for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think I speak for many people on this, but we, we need to have a USA-France game at some point. Like, would it's been you. far, far too long since the last one. And uh, hopefully next year in Richmond, like, it can happen. Because, uh, yeah. yeah, well, I want to see, like, obviously with all the talent that you guys have and all the talent, obviously that America has like I want to see what that's like like how it how it works out in a game so uh, fingers crossed for next year yeah hopefully yeah <laughs> I would love to play against our uh, old teammate as well that would be nice mm, yeah for sure for sure to uh, get a chance to play again against Lindsay rather than with uh, this, this... <laughs> not Lindsay I don't want to play against Lindsay <laughs> <laughs> I meant other teammates <laughs> yeah uh-huh um, and yeah, just kind of wrap up this main section of the episode. Just, just kind of reflecting back on like all of the titles, all the good memories, all the good moments. Like out of all your EQC and European Games victories, which would you say was like the hardest or like the most rewarding one to win? You mean EQC wise? Uh, EQC or European Games, sort of either. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, I do feel like the um, the last uh, two tournaments that we won, like EGs and AQC on the same year in 2019, were both pretty special because um, they were so tough uh, to win. Uh, there was no easy game, no easy no easy path to the final. Uh, I think we also us losing against the Dodos in quarterfinal uh, at AQC, then we managed to bring it back uh, in a an, very uncommon ways. Uh, and then we managed to, to win two games in snitch, uh, in snitch range uh, against Turkish teams. Um, so that was pretty exciting. And then to cap it off a few months back and a few months later with uh, winning the EGs uh, after being super disappointed, uh, I mean, myself for my first EGs in Oslo, uh, we were so close to winning uh, everything. And uh, I was, um, you know, the manager of this team and I was, uh, you know, very, uh, uh, into uh, like in, in very working really hard for this team, uh, trying to to set it up to to have the, the best things and to 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 make it uh, to a second titles. And, and then we got so close uh, to to winning it, and then um, being able to bring it uh, three years later, bring it back and, and win the final, uh, which was like the semi-final and the final were so so close both of them. Uh, I think we went to overtime against UK and then we won. Uh, we were 50-50 against Belgium or we cut and they almost got. So it was like um, so a chain of events uh, of so many close calls uh, in two tournaments in a row that, that really after you, you win those two game, the two tournaments and then you, you sit you sit on the on the plane on the way back and you're like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> We made it. It was really close, but we made it twice in a row, and and, and that was a, a really good feeling. And we're like, wow, okay, that we can be proud of ourselves now. Mm, yeah, it definitely feels good to kind of come through those really tough moments, especially like with EG in 2019. Like I remember yeah. watching that 2017 final, which, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but you played the entirety of that that final, yeah. and like I remember we were talk- talking afterwards, and I was like, I don't really know what more you could have done there. Like, is is one of those where put everything in and then a Callum Lake snitch catch happens yeah. uh, and then 2019 obviously like you had that bit of a 
awkward experience on day one, but losing to Norway in the group. But then yeah. we had to bounce back from that and win the games that ultimately mattered towards winning the tournament. Yeah, it's a, a good kind of redemption. Yeah, and losing to Norway was a good thing, I think, because it really put everything into perspective and then it made us, you know, I mean, the team closer together and then uh, we, we we talked about it a lot and then we, we did some mistakes that we didn't do again. And I think that was a, a really good uh, um, way to get us, uh, to make us better for the, for the rest of the tournament. And in 2017 against, uh, you know, Oslo against the UK, well, yeah, I played the whole game, and uh, I think I played one of us be- one of my best game uh, that day. And uh, I was really sad to lose. And then I think I told you that earlier, but um, we had a picture of Boris um, with the with his hand on the on the on the snitch, on the, <laughs> like really like this close, like a few centimeters away from it, like uh, reaching back uh, to the back of the snitch. Uh, and then we had a really nice shot and a really nice picture of that. Uh, and it was we went we were that close to being European champ. And then uh, we we I sent that to the team that uh, that I managed. And then uh, I told them, you guys are to me, you guys are uh, like European champion minus a few centimeters. And, uh, <laughs> and that's really really what it was because in the end we all remember that like all of Europe remember that the, the UK won. And congratulations to them, but we do remember that we were a few centimeters away from from winning that. Uh, but we also have to be aware that we are a few centimeters away to losing this time. But um, you know, it's Quidditch is a bit of a cruel sport. Uh, it's sometimes it's hard to 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 accept because uh, a games and a tournament and a season can be decided by uh, by that by a few centimeters, and it's it, it can be tough sometimes. But when you manage to bring it back the the, the next time, it's it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Uh, Euro- European champion minus two centimeters. Yeah, one? exactly. I lo- I love that idea. <laughs> but yeah, like lo- lots of fine margin this sport, and when you're on the right side of it, it's great. Like we've yeah, just pulled it out. <laughs> when you're on the other side of it, as I've been on several occasions myself, yeah, it can be really tough. Just sort of knowing how close you were. Yeah, it is. Hmm. <laughs> No, it's, it, it's good to hear about all of that. And uh, yeah, we're, we're going to move on to the mailbag section of the episode now. Yeah. Um, got quite a few questions here. Um, some of them kind of more fun questions, some of them more serious questions. Okay. Um, let's see. Should we, let, let's start with a fun one. Um, what's your What's your favorite game of Quidditch that you've ever played in? My favorite game ever. Um, I, I would say uh, the the Dodos game uh, in 2017. I talk a lot about that game, but it was a, as well as SQC it was a defining moment for us because we were being defied kinda. We were like uh, down 40, or maybe even more 50, something like that. At some uh, point, 2019 game. No, 2017. Uh, no, 2019. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. The quarterfinal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We were down a lot, and we could have crumbled and say, yeah, whatever. They're, they're better than us. Uh, but we we found ways uh, and resources and and new strategies after a timeout to to bring this back and to to win this game. Uh, we also had a lot of uh, good good things going our ways in this game. But um, I think being a 
down so much uh, and also it's not even the score it's the way it happened because like we were uh, every position we were being dominated and we were like okay what's going on uh, and then being able to to find ways uh, with the same players in the same team to 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 get back uh, in the game to to get in range to catch twice um that's that's amazing and the feeling in the end was like oh, okay we, we we won that game we can't lose anymore because like <laughs> if we win this how are we going to lose any game like basically um so yeah it was a an amazing feeling in the end and uh and, and i feel like uh it must have been hard for them but uh it it, it was another winnable game at some point for us but we still managed to to bring the win and uh and yeah that that's uh, one of the best memories for sure yeah definitely kind of facing that adversity and a really strong opponent and then yeah. still finding a way to, to pull it out of the bag. Yeah, and we lost games, but it, we never, we were never dominated like that um, in, in the, on the scoreboard. We were never down, even in the games we lose, we not we never are like down 40, 50. We never got taken out of range, for example, in any game. Uh, and like we were out of range on that game and we're like, what's going on? <laughs> so it was a brand new experience for us. And we basically don't know how to play that game out of range because we never it had ne it never happened to us so we we're like okay so what are we going to do and we managed to get back in range before the initial pitch which was which was great but um yeah it was a, a one of a kind experience mm -hmm. yeah good good choice uh so this next question which beta would you love to play with that you've never played with so like huh. completely new person um um that's tough um <laughs> let me think <laughs> i think i would love to play um with uh because i just would like to see what it what it would look like uh to play with uh, max avlin because it's oh yeah one of the first bidders i i looked up to uh and i really try to understand his game and I do feel like on many aspects we have uh, similar uh, similarities, and then we have uh, like common things when on the way we understand the game and we, the way we want to play the games. And I would like it's it's not exactly the same, of course, but it's a, a similar style. And I would love to have two players with a like a similar style like that, uh, with a good knowledge of the game and a good like positioning. You were talking about positioning before, but I think. It, Max positioning is really, really stellar and is really good at, at this, and it's what makes him really good. So if we, if the both of us are, are good at this and we, we play together, that would be pretty, pretty tough to to crack, I think. And I would love, I would love to see that for sure. Yeah, it's pretty terrifying thought, really. Like especially <laughs> like Max is known as one of these players who's just like hyper aggressive, full of energy, and then kind of yeah. having your kind of more calculated, strategic approach. Yeah, that'd be. Yeah, but I, I do feel like he's a uh, a lot more uh, like calculating that we we give him credit for because he's like always, uh, you know, getting back into the position he wants to be and trying to control the flow of the game, uh, and that's really what I like about about his game for sure. Mm -hmm. yeah, so this next question, I guess, is more like a, a serious question uh, from yeah. Christian Zimpelman who sent this in. Um, so. Uh, in 2019, uh, Tyson's played with only one female player on pitch for a substantial share of bracket games, if if I remember correctly, is what Christian's saying. Um, how has the discussion process of the team 
to to do this. Well, what what was it like after the game? Obviously, um, Suzanne Fisher had like a an article that came out afterwards, uh, kind of discussing the European final. Yeah, so how did it influence the team going forwards? Um, yeah, uh, I I think it was probably gonna, people are going to correct me on that because I don't remember and I didn't watch the game for a while. But I think it was only during Stinson pitch with two female. But um, but um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, to be honest, our roster was uh, like super small last time. Uh, it was really tough to to have a, a competitive game, and we. Uh, I mean, it's it's kind of a it was kind of a shock to me that we have all these uh, talks after the the competition because we feel like uh, we didn't like break any rules or whatever. It was like. Uh, um, some uh, a non-binary player playing, um, and he had regular, um, you know, regular shifts in the team. It was not uh, like uh, it was on always playing because it was our, our edge to to make him play all the time. He was playing like the same amount of time anyone else would play in the team. Uh, happened to be a seeker as well, so I think that's why uh, it uh, it was uh, an, an issue for people because uh, seeker time is important and everyone is watching. So I think that that's what. That's what the issue was probably, um, because a lot of teams do that and uh, and they don't have any issue for that. And this year we had the same player um, in our team with the same uh, the same situation. Uh, and you said that we didn't do it. And uh, you see, I, do, I don't even know. Uh, I didn't even know if we did it or not. But um, what I know is that uh, this year we had a a small roster as well, but our female roster was. Uh, amazing uh, compared to what it was a few years back. And I do feel like we had the best female chaser in the tournament. Uh, and I stand by that for sure. Um, and uh, so basically the rotation of the team was that uh, those uh, three female chaser was just, were just deserved the, the time and, and had the better shift than other players and on our, than, our, than our non-binary players. So basically they, they just played more. And I, I didn't know if, to, to be honest, I'd, I mean, I trust you on that, that we didn't do it uh, uh, this time, but uh, it was not a discussion. It was uh, mostly, uh, you know, playing the playing the best players and, and giving uh, shifts and time on the field to uh, to the to the best players. So I, I, I remember that there was a, a lot of uh, drama last time mm. about that uh, and, um, I mean, we we faced a lot of teams doing that uh, before, and we didn't have any issue with that because it's the it's part of the game and it's part of the rules. So it, it felt a bit weird to me that it happened to us and that the discussion was that. But I I I, I did read uh, everything that was written and I I do understand a lot of it, especially uh, playing the females and and employing them to you know have the spot and on the field and, and be better. And, and I do feel like uh, maybe maybe some people will correct me, but I do feel like um, the Titans uh, of this OQC, we really played our female and we really made them play well. And uh, we had the chance to have those, those players that were uh, training a lot because they are some of the others working in a team, to be to be honest. They're all in Paris, so that helps, but um, they, they train a lot. And uh, yeah, they, they just they just are really good and, and they have a, a good part of the they are really important in the team like for example on Sinchan pitch when we play both Val and I as beaters uh, we have three female chasers on the field and without them being able to you know uh, get the ball carry the ball score 
defend, uh, we, we would be taken out of range a lot of the time because sometimes we play against uh, one beater, one male beater and one female beater. So uh, like theoretically, they have more male chaser on the field, but it doesn't matter because we have the female players to, to that, that step it up and they, and they played really well. So while it was not a discussion, uh, I, don't, I don't think like it was a discussion in the team or maybe I was not a part of it, but um, I do feel like we um, we managed to, to 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 train and to to have great players with us and great female players with us, and that that's why it, did, it was not even a discussion because they just are part of the team and are uh, are the best at their positions. So that's why. Okay, yeah, it's good to hear that side of the story, and uh, yeah, thank, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, no worries. Um, so this question from Doug Bryant. Bit like to know about the last EQC. Um, what was going through the minds of the squad after day one, game one, which was obviously uh, your game with Munich, uh, first game mm -hmm. of the tournament? How, what was that like? Well, hopefully, in my head, is I was like, yeah, I was right. <laughs> we're not that good, uh, and we're not uh, so far ahead of uh, everyone, like uh, some of the people would, uh, in the team would think. Uh, but also, we are known to be pretty bad uh, in the first game of our tournament every time. So I think that was like, yeah, OK, it's just the, the, the first game, and then we will get better. But uh, you know, playing the game, I felt like Munich played really well. And we didn't play that bad. It was just that Munich was a good team, and then they, they managed to, to stay in the game. We, we had a few uh, opportunities that we really missed and they were really easy to score and that we could have uh, gotten out of range uh, and be a bit safer, you know, a bit, uh, a bit better. Uh, but um, overall, I, I didn't think we, we played bad. I just feel like uh, the German teams are stepping up and then they, are, they have a good team. So it was like, okay, this tournament is, uh, as I thought, uh, going to be uh, complicated. And uh, we really need to, to, to step it up, especially on stage and pitch, because in this game, the bubble made us win. Basically, they didn't have a, an opportunity to catch, and um, so we were like, okay, so that's how we win this tournament. You know, you when you go into a tournament and you know what your strengths are, you try to like to to know when you have to go to a tournament, you have to know how to win it. Mm. Sometimes it's uh, outscoring everyone. Sometimes it's just uh, slowing the game down. Some teams just try to slow the game down to to, to catch the stitch and uh, you know win a, in a low score game that's that's what they do because that's what they're good at some some teams they try to score like 200 goals like we used to do before uh to to get out of range uh, and this tournament we're like okay we win by uh, setting up a bubble catching the snitch and uh and we have a good uh chaser lineup uh, on snitch and piece i was just talking before uh in the, in the question before that and we can stay uh, even or better uh, than the other team on stage and pitch without the beaters. So, um, so just let the beaters do their things and try to to allow our seekers to to win us out of the game every time. And that's basically what get, got out of this game. It's like we are going to play even stronger teams uh, in this tournament, uh, and we probably won't get them out of range. So we have to win by uh, catching the snitch every time, and then we have to to protect him and find ways to do so. So that's basically mm -hmm. what came out of that game. Yeah. Yeah. So like a bit of a shock, but also like a good preparation for the games that came on and really helped you through your bracket run, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't think like it was a shock. Like they, they won the German Cup just before. They are a good team, and we knew it. And um, I think thinking that we were going to blow them out was kind of delusional. 
and uh, especially with the the little practice uh, that we had and everything. So I really didn't expect to blow them up and uh, and to to score like uh, 200 to 220. You know, really, I didn't expect that, and it, it was not of a shock to me to to stay in range against them. Um, mm. Not at all. Okay. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, good good preparation, I guess, for the rest of the tournament. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they were on the wall as well because they had uh, <laughs> they had the, 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 the their tournament just I think a week or two before. Yeah, yeah, the, the German Cup. So, yeah. But, uh, they had the synergy. They had everything. So no, I I really expect that game to be hard. Mm. Hmm. Uh, next question is from Leander Troll. who would like to know how much do you like triple budge control on a scale from one to ten? <laughs> I mean. If it can be a scale from zero to ten, I have my answer. But uh, <laughs> no, it's it's really terrible. Um, it's I mean I I love the the fun aspect of the sport. I love uh, the competitivity of the sport. I like I love a lot of things about these sports, but uh, this is not part of it. And uh, this is something that uh, really should be clarified uh, in the next uh, rule books. Because uh, that's 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 pretty awful. Um, I, we, I know we had a lot of discussions with uh, with Stein, uh, who's like kind of the creator of that to me. <laughs> so uh, within Norway, uh, so he played with the Titans, uh, and we we talked a lot about it. Uh, and he, I know he loves it. Uh, he he tried to to teach me a bit uh, and to yeah don't pick it up yeah don't do that. I was like yeah I don't want I don't want to do that. Um, so yeah, no, I, I really don't like it, and I, sh I really don't think it should be part of the sport. Uh, now I know teams are practicing it because it's kind of a gray area, and I respect that. Uh, and I try to learn to play against it, but um, yeah, hopefully it will be gone. Fair <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. enough. I, I think uh, he knew the answer already when asking yeah. the question. <laughs> true, true. Uh, this next question from Gio, uh, Gio Farino, this is. He'd like to know, which team do you enjoy playing the most and which team do you hate the most or hate playing the most? Hate, yeah, okay. Um, um, which team I like to play? Um, well, it, of course, it's a bit biased, but I would say uh, I would love to play against the Werewolves again. Um not even because we lost, but I think it was a, an interesting game because uh, it's a team that we never played before and that uh, has strengths where we, um, I mean, has different strength than us, play a different style than us, but they don't play a slow, they, they don't play a slow game at all. They try to play fast as well, but in a different way than we do. And uh, so it was a, an entertaining game to play. It was uh, the beaters were always fighting, the, the chaser were always running. It was a, I, I, I do feel like it was a, a fun game to watch, uh, but it was a fun game to play as well. Um, and I would love to to play, to play against them again. I, I wouldn't say my, if they're my favorite team to play because we only played once, so I don't really know. But um, yeah, I would love to to play again against them uh, for sure. Uh, and uh, the, the team I like to play the most. Uh, they're the worst. Uh, I would say the, the frog because we had too many games. <laughs> we just don't want. Oh, this games. again! Brilliant. Yeah, it's like uh, the, the the third play, the, the 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 small final uh, at the AQC, the, the third place game. We were like, oh, we we went all the way to Limerick to play to play against uh, us again, and they were like, yeah. So it was kind of a fun game to be honest because uh, no one really put all the efforts, and we we played like kind of a. 
a fun and chill game. So it was a, a first for a, a Titans against Prague to to be a, to be a chill game. But um, but no, yeah, it, it was actually the best game we played against them, uh, fun wise. But uh, I mean, we don't want to play against the Frog in the in the AQC. That's that, that's not what we want for sure. Yeah, I remember talking to Albert afterwards, and like it was really clear from the way he was playing. There was like there was the right play to make, and there was the cool play to make. And each time he's like he was clearly looking for the cool play to make. For sure. uh, sometimes it pulled off and it was awesome, and then sometimes it didn't. Um, but yeah, it was a, a fun game to to witness just to see that the, yeah. the process through his head. And I maybe a few other players, I don't know. Yeah, we, we were talking about the the calm and collected way to play beers. That's not what happened in that game. We were trying to <laughs> to duel each other all the time. To it was pretty fun to do. But yeah, we, it's a bit different from the other games. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a few more questions left before we finish. Yeah. Um, this next question is coming from Jay Holmes. He'd like to know who are the top three hardest beaters you've played against. Top three hardest beaters. Um, um, well, top one would, like I said before, it would be Kyle, uh, Kyle Jean, uh, because uh, I'm a beater that loves to duels, and uh, I was not able to duel against him, so it's like <laughs> I didn't know what to do anymore. Uh, so it was a, uh, it was pretty annoying. So uh, I would, it really reminds in my head. It's, it's always like when I think about hard matchup, it's always him that I think about. So I would say that. Um, I would say then um, probably the the bubble the bubble of uh, your team, the Raptors, um, Lucy and uh, and Bill uh, at Oslo. Uh, it was like uh, super tough to play against them, especially when we lost control at some point, and then uh, I had to run <laughs> after my ball, trying to beat uh, their seeker uh, from. 15 meters away every time and then getting my ball 30 meters away every time it was like another another good moment to play but uh still a still a good opponents uh, and i haven't played against them in a while uh, especially lucy and uh, i love to do so i was kind of expecting to play the raptors uh, in that tournament to to being able to to to, to play that matchup but uh, unfortunately it didn't happen um, but uh, maybe maybe next time and maybe this summer i don't know We'll see. Mm-hmm. That, uh, yeah, that, that would be my second. And then um, I would say, I, I don't know a lot of the name, but um, they're, the lineup of um, beaters from Unicorns um, from Oxford to, to 2019, when they, they just, there they are two or three of them every time. And they sub and they're so aggressive all the time. And since they have subs, they are like super fresh every time. And then they get in your face and they try to duel every time, every time, every time. And then they they, they have a lot of energy and a, a really good physicality. And uh, I do feel like they're a pretty tough matchup. Uh, but it's it's a matchup that I love to play because they are super aggressive and I, and I tend to like try to bait as much as I can uh, to give time to my seeker to my chasers. And uh, I really love to play against them, and it's it's kind of a tough and you know tough and love uh, relationship because uh, yeah. it's uh, it's hard to play against them, but it's uh, it's cool as well. Yeah, that's a pretty pretty rewarding sort of facing such yeah. tough tough opposition. Mm-hmm. 
And I, yeah, you, you mentioned uh, this summer, so this leads on to our next question uh, from Alex Sugar, who'd like to know, how do you feel about playing against Australia at the European Games? Well, I've heard that it's not Australia only anymore. It's also, yeah, there's Hong Kong and maybe Japan that are that are maybe joining us. <laughs> um, well, I mean... You're, you're are... really terrified of Hong Kong, right? <laughs> yeah, no, but it's like it's... There's a part of me that likes it and a part of me that doesn't... That don't like it um it's because i like it because it's going to be good games um i mean if we play against um australia it's a good preparation for uh, next year uh, it's a, it's a good way to know where you're at uh, if you get crushed you have a lot of work to do if you go ahead or you win it's you're in a good uh, position to be so it's it's interesting to to, to play against them um, but i do feel like uh, it's not the european games anymore kind of uh, and then uh, that it's more of a, an international competition, which is fine as well. But um, I feel like for teams that were, it's I think it's good for great for for the best teams like uh, UK Belgium, uh, whatever, um, because they will want to match uh, for what really matters, the World Cup after that. So they will want to see where they are. But if you take like smaller countries, uh, like with the uh, that are developing, I mean I don't know if you get out of groups and then in. Uh, in the quarter of the or the game before that, you you play against Australia. Yeah, okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> you get smashed, and then you don't learn anything, and it's it's not even funny. So I do feel like for some countries it's good, and it's a good opportunity to to match them. But uh, for some countries it's not not a, not great as well. And and if they if Australia managed to win the EGs, so the Euro European champ would be Australian. So I hope <laughs> I hope. Uh, we will step it up and then prevent that from happening. But, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's uh, kind of weird, but um, there are some good aspects to it. Yeah, it's like even more motivation to, to beat them. And obviously, yeah, like that, in terms of development for next year, yeah, yeah, massively helpful, I imagine. I do feel like it will unite European countries, though, because I don't know if, uh, if there is a UK uh, against Australia in the final, for example, uh, I would root... Uh, as hard as I can for UK to win, <laughs> so, <laughs> so that would be pretty funny to see yeah. all the European countries to root for when only one team. Whether it would not really happen, at least not that hard in other setups. Mm -hmm. And our, our final question of the episode: yeah. uh, What is your favorite Quidditch memory? What really stands out in your mind? Hmm. Um. I would say the the really thing that uh, I remind myself is the when we when we cut the snitch in Oxford for our first OQC, and the whole team is like running to to Tarzan who is like we cut the snitch, and then we all jump uh, towards him. We all hug each other, and we all realize that um, we are European champions. So that was the first for everyone, and then uh, that we we actually we're not the favorite going into this tournament we were not supposed to win and then we we managed to overcome all the competition and and, and beat the the team that we're kind of uh, you know that we are talking a lot about and um, before that and uh, it was a, a really cool moment and everyone was like uh, you know on the same page uh, on the same uh, level of happiness and uh, it was a a good uh, a good memories and uh, there are some titans that left the team or stopped playing quidditch uh, since then and that I still see outside of quidditch 
Uh, and then we we always we still have this bond of uh, winning the the first UQC together, and uh, and we all remember that, and it's a it's a thing that we all share. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds pretty special to to get that first one, and yeah, all the emotions around it. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, good to share that. And, uh, cool, that's a really nice note to finish the episode on. Um, Etienne, this has been fantastic um, and uh, great to record again with you. What's I more. hope it's worse this time. <laughs> <laughs> you and I both. Uh, uh, for, for both our sakes and for the audience's sake. Uh, yeah. We'll see. But it, it, it's it's so great talking to you. And I know we could do this for hours and hours and hours. But yeah, for sure. I'll let you get to your meeting in a few minutes. Yeah. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, Fraser. Um, it was good to... I think it's good to do it after a tournament like we did this time. Uh, it's a good to have a to have all the insights and it's you know everything is fresh in the memory because it's been so long since we've seen everyone and i think it was good for everyone to to see each other at a qc and it's a good moment to talk about it i think so thank you mm-hmm. yeah, you're welcome <laughs> uh yeah we we hope that you listeners have enjoyed this episode as much as we have uh if you want to stay up to date with future episodes of the total switch podcast please give the total switch facebook page a like we'll be announcing upcoming guests on there and of course, giving you a chance to send in more of your mailbag questions to our guests as and when uh, the option is there. Um, until next time, keep yourselves safe and live the game. Goodbye. <laughs>